Howdy folks, welcome to Sketchy Conversations with John and Melson IV. Today I'm chatting with director Dan Bynum. Dan Bynum has been directing and filming wrestling since the 80s. Dan Bynum has worked with wrestling promotions such as World Class Championship Wrestling, World Championship Wrestling, Ring of Honor, and Major League Wrestling. We talk about his tenure there and other topics. Check it. So, you're, you're in Colorado now, right? Yeah, Denver. Nice. So, where are you from originally? Uh, East Texas originally, and uh, that's how I ended up in, in Dallas after uh, college in Austin to uh, work in the television business, and I was in the right place at the right time at Channel 39 in Dallas when uh, we started the world-class championship wrestling show, so I got to direct that, uh, the beginning of that, and then I got to direct the uh, Bastry USA music video. And uh, on after uh, a few years later, I got to go to uh, Atlanta, and I directed and produced the Saturday Night Show on TBS for six years there. Sweet. And then uh, after that, I went to the PGA Tour, and I worked in golf for a while, and uh, ultimately moved out here to De- to Denver and started a media company out here. But uh, in 2011, uh, Sinclair Broadcast Group called me, and uh, I ended up going to uh, Baltimore for a week every month for three years. I uh, created the uh, Ring of Honor production company, and with, uh, with Jim Cornette, I created the Episodic Show, and we got them from uh, doing... Uh, internet pay-per-views to real pay-per-views so uh, that was good and then uh, a couple of years ago I did a year directing for uh, Court Bauer and Major League Wrestling. So what was it like working at World Class? Oh it was amazing it was uh, back in the kayfabe era and uh, so Everything was still kayfabe then, you know, and uh, they even kayfabe me for a while, but I was lucky to have uh, uh, Gary Hart there, and uh, we shot in the Sportatorium, and uh, I, uh, when I was a kid, I never really watched wrestling. I watched uh, uh, roller derby. That was my thing as a kid, so when I came to wrestling, uh, I was totally open. Uh, I didn't didn't understand. I wasn't. I hadn't been uh, involved in it up to that point. So when I went to the Sportatorium the first time, it was a revelation because there were 2,500 people in there who were able to completely suspend their disbelief and uh, completely commit to uh, the wrestling experience. And it would. And the way they were working back then was so stiff that it was easy to suspend your disbelief because. All you had to do was look at it and it looked real to me. So that's when I when I realized what was going on there. I wanted to make a show that that allowed people more easily to suspend their disbelief. So uh, we were uh, Channel Thirty Nine had a TV truck at the time, and we were basically a, uh, we worked on. TV station stuff during the week, but on the weekends they would subcontract us out and we would uh, go and do all of the Southwest Conference sports for ESPN or uh, whoever the 
regional sports network was at the time. So we did football and basketball and baseball and uh, even did track and swimming and gymnastics and everything. So we were really, we had a team of guys that were really good at sports live production and because we did it every week. So when we came to the Sportatorium, uh, up to that time, the, the production values in wrestling was, it was basically a two-camera shoe. There was two hard cameras. One was a wide shot. One was a slightly closer-up shot. And to do promos, guys would walk over to the camera and yell up at it, that kind of thing. So it, the bar was low as far as production value, and, and we approached it like a real sport, uh, our, our production company when we went to it. So uh, instead of two cameras, we had six cameras, and we had two cameras that were right on the ring. And we actually mic'd the ring, the, the uh, uh, corners and under the ring, so that we were really getting the uh, all of the incredible audio sound, you know. So... Uh, it was a totally new way of of uh, of covering wrestling, and fans responded uh, to it immediately. and And that show was syndicated around the world, actually. and uh, And it's it's even written up in books as the beginning of uh, of modern wrestling. So, uh, super proud of what we did there, and it really it changed everything and we were there at a perfect time of course because that was during the uh freebird uh von eric feud that uh, i still think is the greatest feud in the history of the business so we had incredible content to work with and uh, uh and the guys that the guys were working so stiff, it was incredible. All we had to do was point the cameras at them, and, uh, and we got over, you know. So uh, we, we respected them as sportsmen, and, and that showed, and the, and the fans really loved that, so they responded well to that. And uh, uh, we respected the business, and we respected kayfabe, frankly. Uh, so we presented it. As a real sport, we respected it as a real sport, and it got over because of that. So that was, uh, and we we were able to work with some incredible people. Got to work with Andre the Giant there, and uh, uh, I got to uh, work with amazing people back in the day. Uh, uh, me, Mark Callis, who uh, eventually became the Undertaker, but uh, and uh, stunning Steve Austin when he was. Stunning Steve, you know, so it was uh, an incredible time to uh, to be in the wrestling business, and we, we got a great opportunity with that promotion uh, to cover it the way we did and, and really change the way wrestling was, uh, was understood uh, by the fans. So, yeah, WCCW was an incredible time. Completely, because I remember, you know, all right, because I remember, okay, here's the deal. My buddy, um, Ogun Prime, right, he um, runs this page called Black Rocker, Black Rock um, Music Lexicon, right? Pretty much talking about, like, the history of, like, um, like black people and rock music and everything, right? And he's from right. down in Texas. So, 
he's not a wrestling guy, right? But he's martial arts, right? But he still respects wrestling for what it is. Anyway, but he was talking about how big the Von Erics were, right? And he's from a guy who was not a wrestling fan. He he was saying, yeah, the Von Erics were huge. They're like the Kennedys down there. That was like a fucking dynasty, you know? Absolutely. You know? It was a cult. I mean, yes. And back then, in in the kayfabe era, people really believed, you know? So these guys were bigger than life. And, uh, and that's what made the fall at the end of it all the more devastating because... Uh, when they reveal when they reveal themselves as as humans, then their godlike uh, adoration just crashed. So it was there was a huge arc there. Uh, but at the time when we were uh, when we were running the Freebird Von Erich uh, feud, uh, it was incredibly in, intense, and that's why we had to have uh, a literal. Uh, 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 bodyguards walk the wrestlers down the aisle to keep them from keep the heels from getting stabbed, you know, because that's how how deeply people believed. So, uh, and lots of guys have have scars from uh, actually being <laughs> stabbed or uh, with a bo- or hit with a bottle or something like that because uh, during the kayfabe years, people. People were completely committed to it, and that was what, to me, made it incredible and gave it its power. That's what I miss about that, too, because, you know, that's the reason why Jim Gordon had the tennis racket. You know, it makes sense, you know, because, like, I know sure. the story about, the you know, the horseshoe or something like that, right? And I'm like, I'm glad I had the fucking tennis racket, you know? <laughs> you know? And, oh, exactly. Shoot. It's a defensive uh, object. Oh, yeah, like, so it's like, it's like, you know, here's the thing about, it. of course, the era I came in, I was born in 84, right? So it's like, I was, I was like literally born a few months before the first WrestleMania, right? So right. I was kind of born within like the current, right? So I'll never forget when my dad found out that, um, that it was a work and everything. He found out because it wasn't because of steroid trials. It's because... When Iron Sheik and uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan was in the car with the bumper and the pills, it made right. the, and it made the paper. Yeah. So I was like, "Well, yeah," because that, and that was the thing they uh, in Dallas, man. The, the baby faces and the heels would never be seen together in public. So, yeah, that would never happen. They came in different sides of the building, even. Yeah. Shoot. If they were happen to be had to be on site, like somebody recognize them, they had to start, you know. Yeah, that's what the term kayfabe is for. Exactly. So if if they're not in character and a civilian would come around, you would say kayfabe, and that would alert everybody to be in character. That's the that's the what the term is for. The Carney people had uh, invented it originally, you know, to kayfabe the rubes about whatever the the scam at the carney was but this and so it was since wrestling uh had its real beginnings in in carnies uh they uh, took that term with them when it became its own thing oh yeah that's another word i just love to use i still use the word rube actually because i'm like rubes yeah rubes that is I still use it, you know, because it's very effective. It really is. I always say like, I always say like, fucking rube. It just, it's just perfect, you know. Yep. All right. So, 
So what was like your approach? Okay, so is there a difference between filming football and wrestling? Like, or are there different pro- approaches? Or, or did you use like what you learn from traditional sports and wrestling? Well, you take uh, you take what you learn from uh, other sports, and, and it's uh, it's kind of a template that you set on top of it, you know. And uh, I, I have directed uh, boxing pay per views that are very similar in construction to wrestling, uh, so uh, it's. It's it's a, it's very different from the production standpoint. I mean, it's very similar from the production standpoint. So you're able to use the the skills you develop in other sports and and bring it over, and that that helps. There are specific skills in wrestling, like there are camera skills that are specific to wrestling, and uh, so you got to have guys that that can do it. And there there are very few guys that can really do it anymore. I had when I was in Dallas. I had two handheld guys. They they didn't know any better. They just they would get up on the lip and hold on to the rope, and got that great shot over the top of the rope, and uh, and it was some crazy mayhem going on around them. But they were courageous enough to do that. And there's the last person I had that would actually do that was Jack Jackie Crockett in Atlanta at WCW. Not anybody do that since. Well, Jackie Crockett is was he part of the Crockett family? Yeah, he was one of the brothers. Oh. He was he liked to be a part of the production, so he lip and uh and ringside. So he was an incredible cameraman, so he got to do it. He didn't hmm. so but uh but uh, yeah, he was an integral part of the WCW uh staff for sure. Speaking of WCW, was there a difference production wise between World Class Championship Wrestling and WCW or World Championship Wrestling? Once we got to Atlanta, I mean, it was uh, Cadillac all the way. Uh, you had a graphics department that was constantly doing your graphics, so you had these awesome custom graphics for opens and and clothes and bumpers and and uh, features and everything. Uh, all of that stuff to work with in editing, and um, and the live events were incredibly well supported as far as production values. We had uh, uh, pyrotechnics, we had incredible lighting, we had uh, uh, sets. You know, we were that was the beginning of the the giant sets for entrances and stuff. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, and you had these crews that were doing professional sports uh every week uh the the uh atlanta baseball and the basketball so these guys were uh incredible camera people and audio people and uh and all the guys in the truck in the uh in the tape room and everywhere were were just the best so it was when you were sitting in the director's chair of a TBS shoot, it was like driving a uh, a Rolls Royce. It was a luxury uh, thing, so it was uh, very special. And uh, and if uh, if Hogan had never come, I might have stayed there forever. What are the hallmarks of a good director and a bad director? 
Well, uh, timing is everything. And uh, so uh, you need to be able to anticipate what's going to happen. And a lot of that's instinctive and a lot of that depends on uh, how good your camera people are. You're, you're only as good as your worst camera guy and you're only as good as your technical director. So you got to have a, a good director has got to have a good support staff or even a great director is going to look like an idiot because uh, things are happening so fast that you got to have uh, camera guys who are instinctive and know what's happening. They're smart enough to know. And uh, so if you've got to, if you have guys that are not experienced and you got to teach them up usually that day and, and uh, try to uh, get enough wisdom into them so that they can shoot the show uh, and help you out because uh, trying to direct cameras to a shot in a wrestling event that is, uh, if it's a high work rate, uh, that's that's asking a lot. And so you got to really be good to uh, have un, un, uh, guys that are unexperienced in, or inexperienced, I should say, in wrestling. So a lot of it uh, is is on your crew and uh and a good director also is very respectful of the crew and uh is, and always acknowledges that he's only as good as his crew so uh it's a team effort and and you're a you're a leader it's as much a uh, psychological leadership thing as just technically calling the correct shots but uh uh to be a good director in wrestling you've got to love the business uh you've got to understand the storyline that's being told in the ring and you've got to help the guys in the ring get that across so you need to understand if they're working a body part or whatever it is uh that that's what uh that's what people want to see and also uh when i where i worked which uh was uh wcw and uh wccw and, and ring of honor and even mlw all of those guys work so stiff that you didn't really have to cut around a lack of stiffness. Now, WWE, as a, as a rule, they cut around impact because their impacts are not that impressive. So they cut around it. So you, you're looking at a guy's back when a guy's slapping him or whatever. Uh, that's the way they do it. I would rather actually look at impact so to me, that's what I would always look for, to be on the right side, to see the impact point. And uh, then it's up to the guys in the ring to sell it properly and tell the story properly. But you, uh, you, you get an instinct for, uh, for how, how the things are moving and which way things are going and where to be. But, uh, you know, sometimes it's just luck. Hmm. <laughs> I remember a few years ago when Shinsuke Nakamura got to WWE the first time. Well, well, not the first time because that's the only time he's been there. Um, he said a while back, in comparison to the New Japan style and the WWE style, is that um, that he noticed that he can work this the WWE the WWE style. You know, he can work that style and have like ten more years onto his career. Right, and because it's. 
it's not hard work. It's mostly, I mean, they've exposed it as entertainment there, so they don't work hard, very hard to uh, to make it kayfabe, you know. To and and with smart fans, smart fans evidently don't care either. Right? They they're just into flip count and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's like um, I gotta be honest with you. It's like um, there are only there's only literally three people I'm still watching uh, Monday Night Raw for. Actually, SmackDown will keep that, keep behind that, but it, but there is a vast difference between even even the production values and even philosophies between you know Ring of Honor, MLW, and and WWE. There's vast differences, you know. It it don't even to like later and on. And New Japan too. New oh Japan my God, is, New Japan is excellent. Yes. And those guys, to me, uh, I love Ring of Honor, but I think New Japan is doing the the best uh the best job right now but uh it's just ring of honor doesn't have the the money to keep the people in they've got their their hardcore which are amazing but uh most of the guys that are stars in the wwe came from ring of honor absolutely like (laughs) for a second it was damn near almost like a it was like it was kind of like the it was for a second it was like because i was counting up just lately i'm like there's a Ring of Honor reunion right now. Oh, it totally is. And it's either guys that were in Ring of Honor for a while or guys that just worked at Ring of Honor a couple of times. You know, even AJ Styles worked with us. I worked with Nakamura at Ring of Honor. And, I, you know, I thought at the time, I thought he was the greatest wrestler in the world right then. So, And, of course, uh, Vince destroyed him. So, yeah. ridiculous. It happens. You know I mean? Like... It's like um, I want to say it's a weird comparison because I was going to make a comparison to him and Chono, but I was like, ah, there's, there's differences there, so it's not a fair comparison. But like um, but true, it's like that's always my big concern when it came to like WWE and like Japanese talent. So that's one thing I give credit to WCW was they knew how to book foreign talent. They knew how to book like you know the Luchadors, the Cruiserweight division was really a reason to watch WCW. And um, and also the Japanese guys popping there too. I'm like, it just right. And they let them be them, you know. Exactly. Which I really felt added to that. And speaking of you know New Japan, like all right, I will, I will show New Japan to people who haven't watched wrestling since either Steve Austin or The Rock left, right? And they were like, holy shit, and they're really digging this, you know. Oh yeah. You know, so I'm like, so I'm like keeping out, so I'm like, yo, check this out right here. And like I put it this way, Ring of Honor. Um, that's the reason why I stay. I haven't felt the last time I felt this way about wrestling was when I was like 14 years old watching ECW. Weird parallel, oh, yeah. but it's a. I can see there's a parallel to it. Like the idea of I'm staying up late at like to one o'clock to see something that feels grittier, realer, and rawer than what I'm used to. Absolutely. You know, and I'm like, I put it this way because I knew about the Briscoes. It was like the first time I actually cussing it. I haven't. I haven't swerved the TV screen regarding wrestling in literally years, you know, but the Briscoes get it out of me though, which is rare feat, you know? Right. So that's the kicker. So I really, and that's one of the things that I find fascinating where you can listen to that response, especially where it's like, here's the kicker to me. It's not so much. It's something that Shane Helms has said, but also many other people said too. I can't make you think wrestling's real, but I can make you think I'm real. Right. You know, that's Although, the bottom line. Exactly. And there was one moment, though, I did get a kick out of, right? 
when Rey Mysterio, you know, the eye for an eye match, right? I'll never forget when people actually thought he lost his eyeball. <laughs> Listen, this is a rare moment. I wasn't going to tell anybody shit. <laughs> I was like, right. And people were hitting me up like I'm a fucking agent and shit like that. It's like, yo, did he lose his eyeball? Did he lose his eyeball? I was like, um, you crazy saw st- rolling, didn't you? That's what I say. I was like, <laughs> I said, like, hey, crazy stuff happens. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Shoot. All right. So, okay, speaking of production, would you say you have like a production trademark? So, if I'm looking back on, you know, footage from WCW, I was like, yo, yeah, hey, Dan Bonner, produ- Dan Bonner directed that. Is there like a production hallmark or whatever to keep an eye out for? Well, it's, it's, uh, I mainly use, I use more close up shots, I think, uh, and uh, fairly fast cutting, but always uh, trying to be motivated. You know, I studied uh, film production in college, so I always have that montage, that film montage uh, ideation in my head of uh, making each each shot is motivated by the last shot. So you're trying to make each shot tell the story in the ring, and and I think that's that's why my directing uh, it struck a nerve back in the day, and uh, and continued to to be effective. Uh, even now, I'm. I don't have a show right now, but uh, you know, I'm open. <laughs> Shoot. Speaking of which, I'm just curious. What are your thoughts on you know? Because this isn't anything technically new. This is an idea that's been kind of, kind of, like you know, what's the word looking for? Um, what's the nice way? What's the word for dig back up? Um, the cinematic matches, right? Because I'm thinking about okay, even even before like um. The match with um with Goldust and Roddy Piper, right? Even before that, you had um you had that one match with Hulk Hogan, Kevin Sullivan, you know that one. Where he's like, "There's no Hulkamaniacs right. here." That one, right? All right. What are your thoughts on the cinematic matches uh, that WWE has experimented with now? Uh, I haven't really watched them that close, but I would, I would. I'd have to see them. I I haven't watched that close. I would I would question the validity of it, but uh, we'll see. I mean, they have been the pioneers in sports entertainment, so I guess this is the next step. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, if it's not being told in the ring, it's not a wrestling story. True. I mean, I put it this way: the the pair to call on matches because the time wasn't even wrestling. It was yeah, it was a short. I'll put it this way. Um, at WrestleMania 2020, when he had John Cena and uh, Bray Wyatt, you know, as a fiend and everything, right? Right. That just seemed more like avant-garde, almost like Lobra avant-garde theater, pretty much. Right. And exactly. I loved it, though, but I'm like, this is not wrestling, but it's cool as shit, though. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, it's highly entertaining. Very. I'm more of a classicist. Yeah, I feel you. And you, know. you can use the cinematic stuff as, as feature material to build character. Oh, I'm great, cool totally. with that. Yeah. And then, but but once they walk out of the entrance and start heading down the ramp, all that is out the door, and it's time to put up or shut up in the ring. Exactly, you know. But in a weird and way, tell the tell that cinematic story, and and that's the art of wrestling. You know, yeah. so if you can't tell a story in the ring, you're not doing it right. 
True. You know, I mean, in a weird way, Vince McMahon kind of warned us, like, in Beyond the Mat. He warned us a while back. I remember, like, um, yep. when he said, we make movies in the iconic water sip. i never forget that. And I'm like, yep. it all makes sense now. You know? Yeah. It's all about thinking far ahead. Um, okay, so one thing that intrigued me about you also amongst many things what you actually you also, you also work with uh P, with with pga too right the pga tour yeah i worked with pga tour Productions, so i was not uh producing the uh the tournament coverage but i was uh uh producing like uh inside the pga tour or uh we had other show, shows like uh the PGA Tour's Greatest Hits or uh, Legends of the PGA Tour, that sort of thing. And uh, so what we would be involved in would be going out to the tournaments, but early in the week when guys were just practicing and getting uh, uh, sound bites on the on the uh, uh, practice tee and, and also going out and, and getting action shots and stuff like that. And then we would head back home on Wednesday and, edit the shows for the weekend using that footage. But I also uh, was uh, uh, the guy that helped get video on uh, the internet too. I, while I was at the PGA Tour, I uh, produced and directed and created the, the first live exclusively for the internet professional sports webcast uh, it was uh, in 99 at the uh, the Players' Championship. It was called Live at 17. And we showed every shot of the first uh, 17th Island uh, Par 3 green. Uh, and it was the highest rated webcast uh, in history until... Uh, uh, what's the lingerie girls uh the lingerie uh lingerie bowl victorious uh victorious secret huh. that, when victorious secret did their webcast that oh that okay there, but <laughs> okay but this was in 99 and it was uh really uh bleeding edge technology streaming media back then but we pulled it off and um and then I also helped develop the international feed so I produced that for a couple of years where we would take the the feed off of the satellite from the truck that was at the tournament, and uh, we would internationalize it by uh, uh, covering up the the network graphics, and uh, 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 we filled the commercials with. Uh, I had a, an announcer there, and uh, we would do replays and and run the the uh, leaderboard, etc. So I, I did uh, create that, and I was there when we created the uh, the World Golf Village and the World Golf Hall of Fame in St. Augustine. So I was blessed to shoot a lot of the, the World Golf Hall of Fame members' interviews. So I got to go around the world and, and interview these guys uh, about their Hall of Fame career. So that was incredibly special. And then... I did make I started a media company out here. 
2008 crash that so i re re uh invented myself uh, as my own production company and i'm still doing that now but uh with uh interludes in uh baltimore and uh in florida so i've always imagined a golf was really hard to film uh, it's very specialized, and uh, back then it was extremely hard because the wireless uh, camera technology was nowhere near what it is now. So uh, you basically had to have wired cameras everywhere. So we had to lay, you would lay miles and miles of uh, camera cable to be able to cover an entire golf course. So in that regard, it's one of the most difficult sports to cover. And you also have to have very specialized camera guys because uh, only a few camera guys are capable of following a ball. So uh, the guys that, uh, that can f take a shot and, and follow the ball all the way to the green, they're pretty rare, so they do pretty well out there. And uh, so it is a, it's a specialized thing both for... Uh, camera people in and in the truck uh it's this it's because there, there is so much going on everywhere you've got to be able to focus on the correct players and know who is going to to uh who is making a move and who is you know all of that type of stuff so it takes an instinct to be able to do that lance barrow with cbs was the greatest ever and, and he he talked about it in that way, in a cinematic way, because if somebody was uh, uh, trying to make a run to the uh, to the top and uh, they start showing them for a while and then they make a couple of bogeys, well, uh, Lance would say, well, the kid is out of the movie. And then you would stop covering him. So he, he had a uh, cinematic way of laying it out, too. And, and so if you... If you have the training and are able, to, are blessed with a like a uh, uh, a university uh, academic uh, career where you get to study films and and uh, you have uh, all the theoretical stuff that that can help you in the real world, uh, it it comes in handy for sure. So certainly has for me. Definitely that, because I've always been intrigued. I always imagined, like, the two of the hardest sports to film was to be golf and hockey. Yeah, man, and hockey is, it's that one guy, mostly. It's the one, the one guy follows the whole thing, you know. And so uh, your action guy has got to really be good in hockey. And, and following the puck on a, in a uh, TV monitor, uh, camera monitor, that is difficult. Oh, yeah. Shit. Yeah, yeah. I just imagine, like, white balance city for some reason. Well, they do turn the contrast a weird way, so the puck kind of sticks out. Same thing with the golf ball. I think they do, they turn the contrast the other way for the golf ball because it's white, and then they have, they do something with the black level or something so they can see the black puck better. Okay, that makes a lot more sense, though, because I'm trying to figure it out for Just years. in the camera monitor, you know. Okay, well, that helps out immensely because I was like, how did they film this? Because I'm like. It's still hard as hell. It's still, even, even with that. All right, that makes sense, though. 
All right, I guess I want to throw back to Ring of Honor too. Like, um, so what was what was it like, you know, behind the scenes of Ring of Honor? You know, in your tenure there, it's like, what were the guys like? Well, that was basically the best locker room I've ever been around uh, because they had been doing it independently for for a while, and they had the the hardcore crew that had been there for a while. And uh, they had their style, and uh, and their fans were totally into it. So it was a great situation to come into and uh, pick up on. It was totally indie, and in the beginning, the uh, Sinclair Broadcast Group is uh, extremely conservative, both politically but mainly business-wise. So. They did not put a whole lot of money into the thing in the beginning, so we had to, you know, learn how to walk before we could run. And so that's why we ended up uh, really uh, being on the bleeding edge of the, the digital production uh, technology. We None of that show ever went to tape. It always went to hard drives because we had to take it back to the, uh, to the digital editing suite to... Uh, to edit it there so rather than have to dub shit to hard drives we just shot it directly to hard drives and then ultimately uh, because uh, they kept cutting the budget on me we eventually went from uh, from uh, mechanical TV trucks with that were hardwired and all of that to digital trucks uh, we were using uh, and we even used TriCasters uh, we would set up on a tabletop and run a uh, and run a, either a uh, a shoot or a live pay per view through a TriCaster, uh, just you know, in the back hallway of the hockey arena in Toronto or whatever. So it was it was a big challenge. There was uh, just a few of us, especially at the beginning. So uh, it was uh, it was a, a big commitment on a few guys to put it over the top. But as far as the the boys were concerned, as far as that locker room, that was the greatest locker room. Everybody had a fantastic attitude. They were very grateful to to be where they were and the fact that we were getting TV for them. And so it was it was a lot of fun. It was incredibly hard work uh, most of the time, long, extremely long hours when I was, I would spend a week to 10 days in Baltimore and it'd be 20 hour days the whole way, you know, so I'd come home uh, completely exhausted, but I uh, feel like it was worth it. Uh, I'm still proud that they are, they're going strong and uh, I, you know, I have a lot of friends back there still. Cool. Cause I remember the first episode, you know, at least the Sinclair ones. I remember the first one was September twenty fourth, twenty eleven. I remember that because of my birthday. Wow! It's like sheer coincidence. So it was like a really, like you know, like a really a, a kind of a spot in my heart for that. Cause like, hey, they remember birthday actually, so it's kind of cool, you know. <laughs> so I'm like, that's how I remember it. I was and damn, that was like ten years ago thinking about it. Cause I remember like yeah. the I remember it was an HD net, and I was like, the production quality is vastly different. Cause I remember. When you know when he was Brian Danielson, still he was over there when when um when he was there and and they were mentioning the like, hey, this is like his last day here. And they're like um doing traditional like you know hey get the fuck out of here kind of thing, right? 
And I remember the next, because I was like, whoa, is, is this an angle? It's like, oh, shit, he's really going to WWE. You know? Right. I remember that episode, right? You know, it was like the yeah, H- HD. Yeah, HD, man. Those guys. Those were uh, gritty episodes. The production people over there. Yeah, those so, were. So it, it, that, that show never worked, really, and oh, uh, as far as I was concerned. Fuck, no, it did not. It looked like. It just looked like three steps up from, like, it looked like three steps up from, like, you know when, like, ECW had the fan cam shit? Right. Yeah. Three steps up from there. Yeah. That was the thing, because the director didn't care, the camera people didn't care, and they they didn't respect the business, so that was not going to work. You know, it's pathetic. Yeah, I know, right? Because they were all boxing people or whatever the fuck, you know, so they were all... uh, and, you know, there's see, that's always kind of bothered me because when somebody from a different, I always feel like everybody's learned from everybody, right? You know, like Muhammad Ali learned shit from Gorgeous George, sure. You know, hell, Floyd Mayweather wanted to be a wrestler, Mike Tyson wanted to be a wrestler, you know, all those guys. And there's a always a connection between the two worlds, whether they want to admit it or not. Hell, I remember like, um, you know, Sugar Ray Leonard, he actually trained with Rocky Johnson, you know, right? So Exactly. So I always kind of felt like, why is it like this weird thing? You know, this kind of this weird, like you know, this weird obsession. People just like that shout a shit on something. I'm like, hey, don't talk shit to your cousin. You know, it's just, exactly. You know, I was never could understand the logic behind that. You know, and like and those guys, like the ones that get it, it's a mutual appreciation for it, though. You know, right. So, but but you know, but um. I mean, I think I think boxing is a little sketchy. You know, I'm yeah. I'm sure some of that's been fixed so I would you, say if you will I would say it's fixed because Big Vito wanted somebody to win no shit there's too much money involved in it for it not to be so exactly you know I'm like <laughs> I'm like and I put it this way the whole idea of like okay box is a fucking working idea that even if it's not predetermined it's still the idea they're gonna rile you up like I put it this way Floyd Mayweather is like one of the greatest heels outside of wrestling Oh, without a doubt. You know, yeah, they they learned a lot from wrestling in totally. their presentation of those pay-per-views and stuff. Shoot, I remember that reminds me of, like, uh, what really sparked me because really got me into watching, like, WCW because I, I remember it was a TV. I remember before Monday Night Show, I remember it was, it was the TBS show, right? And I remember seeing that. It looked like, you know, it looked like the looked like the boxing matches. So when I'm, like, like six or seven, I'm like, okay, this looked look the same, very similar. Like, even, like, the same kind of... That kind of weird lighting where it's like, where it looks like it looks From like a, down, yeah, yeah, like it looks like yeah, it looks like you have astigmatism and shit like that. That kind of lighting yeah. right there, it's the <laughs> same one I seen boxing. So I'm like, oh shit, you know, you know. So I've always this kind of takes me back to that. Like um, like I don't know, cause all right, here's the deal. Like so, what I'm trying to do lately is like um, I'm trying to film stuff for my band, right? And so I've been trying to like take note of everything I've really enjoyed, you know, whether it's like live session stuff, which is the obvious thing to do. But I'm watching like a lot of old wrestling. Two reasons why, because I like the production quality. And also the reason to watch old wrestling. Why the fuck not? <laughs> you know? Well, I, I mean, in many ways, I think it's superior, you know, as far as the, the work in the ring and, uh, and just the uh, plausibility quotient, you know. That too, like I love the fact that it makes people kind of go, "Wait, did that really connect?" Or like, do they really do those guys really not dislike it? Just like to get them even thinking that, you know, like exactly. That's what always the that's what I dug about MLW, you know, like um, because it looked 
the way it was filmed because it it reminded me of Shay's ECW, which was exactly you know exactly. I mean, hell, you look at Drew Styles. Really stiff there. They still they work stiff there. I, I think he's got a new TV deal. I haven't heard back from him. So yeah, yeah, yeah. they're they're going to be heading over to Vice. All right. So, what have you filmed outside of golf and wrestling? Uh, I've done you know some uh, action sports stuff like uh, snowboarding, and uh, I've done a lot of corporate crap. And and right now I'm. Uh, involved in in uh, live event production and uh live streaming media of events so i do a lot of, or i did before the pandemic i was doing a lot of big corporate events where i would either be a uh, uh part of the show team backstage running the graphics or the the video computer or whatever it was or be a camera guy and uh and now I'm I'm uh, actually producing uh, cor- the I'm a one man band producing uh, corporate uh, streaming media live streaming media events uh, for like uh, uh, state trade organizations like I uh, work with the the Colorado State uh, Financial Planners Association and now I just picked up the uh, the Colorado Business Owners and Managers Association. So they they do uh, monthly events or, or things like that, and I'll go in with a few cameras and a little switcher and uh, audio mixer and everything and produce a little streaming media show of their event so that they can, uh, so the people out in the sticks can look at it live and Sometimes it involves a uh, ongoing professional education credit, so uh, people are forced to look at it. So, uh, and those guys pay really well, and I don't have to travel to the East Coast to do it. So, so that's kind of fun what I'm doing now. But uh, uh, I would love to uh, have another wrestling show, and uh, you know, I'm stay in touch with various people. Uh, I. I actually have just been uh, announced as one of the members of the 2021 uh, uh, Southern Wrestling Hall of Fame class, which is just a, a little uh, Hall of Fame in uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. But I'm uh, proud to be recognized by. Makes sense. Uh, we should. We have the goddamn and, Vanguard. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, that's what I'm doing now. I'm in. I'm loving it in uh, Colorado. I'm a uh, snowboarder and uh, and uh, love the mountains. So uh, it's the place to be for me now. After all the the years I lived in the tropics in East Texas and uh, Atlanta and Florida. Yeah, I kind of think about that is literally a cl- the change of climate though, because I realize you're much from a bunch of high places pretty much. So totally. Yeah. I mean, I love being refrigerated. Man. <laughs> <laughs> hey yeah it sounds like the east coast here it's like especially when like this time of year you get like you get like um you get like damn near like i call it like arizona junior weather it's like almost it's 100 basically 103 and that's like the highest it gets to like i don't know like nordic weather act like, like kind of exactly. like exactly it's someone makes you like a like old school black metal kind of like cold out here you know <laughs> so like one or the other <laughs> So it's like, never like, I can't say it's mild, like, it gets the extremes of both. 
Well, everybody thinks that Colorado is uh, like really cold and snowy and stuff, and and there are uh, some intense snow events, but mainly it's it's got a fantastic climate and uh, uh, it's usually cool at night. It started to to heat up more uh, when we first moved here in '03. we we moved into a house and that didn't have air conditioning in it. and I thought what the hell how can that even be but you didn't really need it back then except maybe a few days a year and then but now uh, the climate has changed and you actually need air conditioning in the summer in Colorado now which is shocking but uh, uh, luckily we we have a great house that actually is air conditioned now so all is well. Well, Dan, great chatting with you. Literally, I can talk to you all night and everything, but I'm like, you're a busy dude, you know, and <laughs> I have a habit to make a pest of myself, so I'm going to do my best to not embarrass myself any further. Great chatting with you. Well, absolutely. It's a, it's an honor to talk to you, Thank and you. I'd be glad to do it anytime. Cool. No problem. Love to have you back on soon. Absolutely. All right. Bye. Hey, that was Dan Bynum. It was great chatting with him. Until next time, take it easy and please use common sense.